Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon trading card games premiere podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall, rocking the Patagonia drip and all. J.W., how's it going today? Pretty good. You want to know the story of this drip? Yeah. My wife found it in a shopping cart. <laughs> just in a shopping cart? I don't... Yeah, yeah. It was just in a shopping cart. It was out in the rain. She picked it up. She's like, I'm only going to take this home if it's a large. It turned out to be a large. So she took it home, put it in the wash. <laughs> and that's how I have this nice Patagonia sweatshirt. I would never buy this for myself because it'd probably be like way too expensive. Uh huh. Especially off the rack. I mean, this is a nice pullover. And I'm also in this season. I hate to admit it, but I feel like there are people out there. I'm in the season where I'm kind of only wearing a very small rotation. <laughs> yeah I know and what this, you mean. <laughs> this sweater is on the rotation yeah i mean <laughs> it gets that way man it gets that way it just do be like that i actually i feel like i have a wider rotation when it's cold outside is i have a ton of different like sweatshirts and like sweaters and stuff that i like to wear but when it's warm outside there's less like short sleeves and stuff that i'm fond of mm-hmm that's yeah, I need to personal. I really need to go I really need to go clothes shopping here soon because I just ripped a hole in my crotch <laughs> in one of my favorite pants. Now my wife I think can sew it back up, but the question will be when will she sew it back up? Right. And if she doesn't sew it back up soon, then I'm kind of down <laughs> to, you know, a handful of pants. Yeah. Yeah. I I had a huge recurring problem in college. Um, around my freshman and sophomore year when I had like chemistry labs where I would pretty consistently like splash the hydrochloric acid onto my clothes. Let's and go. so you would, it would, it wouldn't be like an immediate reaction. Like it doesn't just immediately tear through your pants. It's after you wash them, there's now a gigantic hole. <laughs> so, oh, so I'd have a recurring that. problem where my jeans would have a big hole like around yeah. the crotch area. Cause that's like, the part of my body that'd be like over the table and get the acid splashed on it interesting so, yeah i ended up replacing a lot of jeans my yeah like first two years of college gotcha hmm. that's very interesting i uh i didn't know that I, I don't get myself around enough hydrochloric acid i guess yeah it's a shame really <laughs> you should do that more well maybe we can do that over new year's you can maybe. bring a little hydrochloric acid i can have throw a little some fun. on my pants yeah see what happens it's a good rousing time everyone loves that <laughs> anything else kind of going on lately well i went to my first ohio state game last week let's go how's that yeah uh, it was pretty fun for the most part for the most yeah. part well, my team, my Your team, team got obliterated. So. Yeah, yeah, they got like run off the field for sure. I, I stayed the entire game though because I'm a real fan. The real and, ones stay. Uh, <laughs> the real ones do stay, but it was really fun. I mean, it, the whole like I knew going in, like, okay, you're probably not going to beat Ohio State. You know, they haven't, they haven't lost to a Big Ten opponent, I believe, since Ryan Day has been coach, which is just quite an achievement because now that's been what like two and a half seasons or something. Yeah. Um, and you know so he's just you know it's a good team he's a good coach like i knew it was going to be um you know it was going to be hard to win the game i thought it would be a little bit more competitive or like it'd be tight going into the half was kind of what i was hoping for and then probably <laughs> ohio state would pull away in the second half but no it was just a blowout from start to finish so right uh, <laughs> it, it happens it happens you know i'm not gonna you know I'm not going to say like, oh, that was, that was a, a what a fluke, you know, cause, cause even good teams get blown out like that sometimes. But um, it was certainly very sad for like the first time, but it was nice to hear like the pageantry of like Ohio stadium. That was cool to be there for the you know first yeah. time in the stadium. Um, for the most part, the fans were relatively nice. Uh, if we had a few kind of stinkers <laughs> and I hesitate to think about what would have happened if, if Michigan State would have won, I, I could see it going south real quick. But uh, we had a good time, so there you go. That's fun. That's awesome. We went to the we went to the skull session. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. You got anything fun planned for Thanksgiving this coming Thursday? Well, we just Thanksgiving is the Cree Wall holiday, so we all really enjoy Thanksgiving. Um, just getting together. It's like our family and then a bunch of family friends that get together 
and uh, so we'll be doing that. And then there's a lot of people in town. So what my parents have decided to do, they just downgraded their house over the last, um, right. I guess, over pandemic. But we didn't really have Thanksgiving last year. So this is the first Thanksgiving in their new house, which is really small. There's not really a lot of room to host. So they've been like, all right, Will, which is my brother, and like me, they got us some hotels, hotel rooms downtown. Ooh. On the water, There we have like a little river wow. where you can see Canada from across the river. And so they got us some hotels. Apparently, they're facing the water side. So we're wow. excited to just kind of, you know, go down there like after Thanksgiving, hang out and uh, and uh, enjoy that time. So that's cool. Yeah. So other than that, um, you know, not a ton going on. But uh, what about you? What's what's new over in Wisconsin? Um, well, I just got back to Wisconsin, actually, midday yesterday. I right. was on a work trip last week and then I extended that for a couple of days to visit my family. Uh, they just recently moved to North Carolina from Ohio. So uh, I got to see the new house for the first time. I got to see my youngest sister and my parents and all the dogs. And that was a lot of fun. Originally, when I made that plan, I did not realize that the week after the workshop was Thanksgiving. So I only extended it by a couple days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I actually, I left yesterday. I uh, still had a great time. And then... I'm going to be spending Thanksgiving here. I'm watching my neighbor and my cats right now. So I got four of the suckers again and going to have probably a low key Thanksgiving. Um, I might see, I might see Fiddler this week. Uh, it's playing at the the local theater. Otherwise low key though. And that's, that's fine with me. Um, I still got to see my family and enjoy their presence, which was the most important thing to me. Oh, for sure. Um, and you know what? The project that was the last trip before uh, before the big day coming up at the start of December. So pretty cool. Yeah. So that's that's uh, going to be a large focus of mine in the coming weeks here. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, that all said, though, we got some exciting stuff in the world of poke that we're going to be talking through. So today we're going to take a look at the metagame, see how things are developing and, and give our takes on, on where things may be going. We'll do our card of the day and reads, and then we'll finish off with sort of a Thanksgiving theme segment. Talk about things that we're thankful for uh, in and around the game. But let's start from the top here by taking a look at the metagame. So fusion strike has, more or less lived up to expectations, I would say, in terms of how the metagame has developed and, and where things seem to be going in terms of the top decks. I think we've gotten three contenders that we're really t thinking about isolating in terms of the top tier of decks. And then, of course, there's mm -hmm. plenty of other decks that are, that are viable, could potentially win a tournament or top a tournament. Uh, but there are three decks that we consider to be probably the best of the best, and those would be Mew VMAX, the Fusion Strike, Suicune and single strike like Umbreon or Shifu type decks. So JW, let's start from let's start from the bottom and work our way back to Mew then. Single strike, hugely defining deck in the last metagame, continues to be good, obviously has those weakness elements, which really propulses the deck into being a major metagame force when you can use that Umbreon to both gust and knock things out very easily. What are our thoughts on single strike right now? Is there any ways to really deal with it if you're outside of that sphere? Um, how does Mew fare to single strike versus expectations? Sure. Well, I think that the, you know, we all know about the single strike deck's power. Uh, the problem is just you're trading that power for consistency. So I think yeah. that's where, you know, we talk about kind of, power and consistency being kind of on a, on a, uh, you know, X, Y axis. So there are a lot of decks that maybe the more powerful you are, the less consistent you are and the more consistent you are sometimes, uh, or as often is the case, like you're, you're not as powerful. Right. So I think uh, single strike certainly falls on that very powerful category. Um, it has a lot of these, you know, weakness factors, right. The dark weakness is just so big right now. Yeah. Uh, even fighting weakness is pretty decent, but the dark weakness is just probably, if I had to, you know, say dark is probably the type you want to be, 
you know, if you could choose any type in the game right now, Dark is probably the most viable in terms of uh, the weaknesses, uh, the Pokemon that it can hit for weakness. So, um, so there's that, right? But the thing about the deck is that it's just going to be inherently inconsistent. You're trying to set up all these stage one Pokemon. Um, you're dedicating a lot of spots to getting out those Pokemon, and you kind of need those Pokemon. It's not like, you know, the Houndoom really isn't optional if you're playing an Umbreon-based <laughs> yeah. single-strike deck. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're, you're going to trade off that power for, uh, you know, that that inconsistency inherent in a build like that. But fantastic deck. I love the deck. Really good. Has... Um, Maybe, you know, a, a generally well-rounded, you know, metagame kind of presence. Like, there's nothing that it loses to necessarily, nothing that it, um, you know, has a super hard time with, um, can beat pretty much anything. And again, that's kind of why it's in our top three. Yeah. I, one other thing I wanted to specifically make sure that we talked about is there's been a lot of discourse around Gengar VMAX and its place <laughs> in the metagame, both independently of like the Umbreon or Shifu build um, and as a part of it. What are your thoughts on Gengar VMAX right now? Obviously like the card pretty much designed to deal with Mew is, is it worth including in these single strike builds? Do you like the Umbreon or sorry, the, the Gengar Inteleon build at all? Where, where I, do we see a Gengar falling? Yeah, I do. I do. I wasn't, um, I, I originally had thought that it might, replace the single strike urshifu in these builds so you might play umbreon and gengar but then after azul won with his inteleon gengar build i played that uh, for a handful of games and really liked how smooth it was and i kind of said yeah you know gengar kind of needs to be on its own it doesn't necessarily need to be paired with umbreon or it doesn't need to be paired with urshifu at all it can be a standalone pokemon standalone deck and so i really like it that way paired with the um hound dooms you know as a, as a very thin line but then also the inteleon um, line so that you can get maybe a little bit of extra damage obviously that consistency that the uh the drizzles you know have right um <laughs> i like it a lot yeah i think that deck is probably where i would go with gengar now would you rather play gengar or single strike I don't necessarily have like the best answer for that. Um, if I'm going to a tournament and I'm choosing one of the two, I think it's kind of coming down to like whether or not I think that there are going to be any uh, Jolteon decks in the field, whether or not I think there are going to be any Leafeon decks in the field. And if there are, then I'm probably taking the single strike Urshifu Umbreon build of, of the single strike deck as opposed to the Gengar version. To be fair, if there were Leafeons, I would probably think of a deck other than single strike in general <laughs> that's true for sure for sure <laughs> but I, but i get what you're saying yeah i i'm glad that you think that because i also really like the inteleon build um it kind of like patches up the things that gengar needed and the fact that like it can abuse that second attack really well in conjunction <laughs> with the inteleon pings to get those like final push of damage that you need uh, to want yeah, to KO cause, things. Right, because oftentimes you're falling just a little bit short. With the Gengar second attack, if you get all four of the single strike energy on, you can hit for 330 damage. But that's pretty tough to do. I mean, obviously, especially if you're only playing a 2-2 line of Houndoom. But yeah, like you're saying, like we have the potential with the Gengar to hit those high numbers. But how likely is it? You know, and it's nice to have the Inteleon to just shore up those extra few damage counters that you need to push you over the edge against the VMAX decks. Right. And we even talked about like Vitality Band. Inteleon line is a way better card set of cards than Vitality <laughs> Band. So <laughs> yeah, I think that works out really nicely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a, a decently big fan of that deck. I think it does a pretty good matchup into other VMAXs, but you know, maybe struggles against things that aren't VMAXs, but how many of those even exist anymore? Yeah, for sure. And I think, too, like you look at why would you want to play Gengar versus why would you want to play Umbreon Urshifu? If the metagame is 100% Mew, then Gengar almost can't lose. Yeah. Um, you know, you're just for two energy against a Mew deck, like they play almost entirely V Pokemon. So <laughs> for two energy, you know, on a Gengar VMAX, like you're going to be just obliterating their field. And then if they maybe go for like some cute Latios plays, 
uh, or Latias plays, you have enough time to be able to get three energy on a Gengar V. So if the metagame is all entirely Mew, you know, that might be like another reason you would want to stray more towards Gengar as opposed to just the regular single strike uh, builds. But I think they're both really good. There's super strong options right now. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, so, I mean, we talk about single strike all the time, so we don't necessarily need to laser focus into that. The next deck that's had a pretty big impact and, and maybe more than we initially were going to give it credit for is Suicune. You know, Suicune has that continued solid matchup against the single strike decks, and it seems to be holding its own pretty well against Mew. I mean, the fact that Mew spreads its bench very wide um, leaves it susceptible to that um to that rare candy into Ludicolo to get that one-hit KO. JW, what are your thoughts on Suicune as a deck in the metagame right now? Yeah, so you mentioned that it has that kind of widespread of the bench, the Mew deck, right? So, like, we always are kind of factoring in, since Mew is, from every metric that you can really look at it, Mew has been um, the best deck in the format. That was yeah. the most consistent. Um, you know, it can it can do a lot of tricks and things like that. Um, so you have to measure every every deck that you play onto whether or not it can beat Mew. So for the Suicune V deck, some of the strengths that it has into the Mew are, like you said, Mew wants to have a pretty large bench, so you're going to be able to hit for more damage with your Suicunes, potentially hit for that one-hit KO with, Ludicolo, with the Ludicolo. But then also, they have a little bit of a harder time knocking you out with cape of toughness so if you can get three suicune down and utilize you know two to three cape of toughness um you know if your opponent misses a power tablet at an inopportune time then they're going to have uh you know a struggle to try to knock you out turn after turn and then just getting that one extra turn where your suicune survives can definitely mean the difference between you know a win and a loss in that matchup. So Cape of Toughness, I think is one of the cards that um, is really big for the Suicune deck. It's not a card that the Mew decks are really teching for. I don't think yeah. in any Mew list have I seen <laughs> either Tool Scrapper or Tool Jammer. So these Capes of Toughness are what's keeping these Suicunes alive in that matchup. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, then the Cape of Toughness continues to be a, a really prevailing card in the metagame. And you see that in these other decks too. Um, you know, Joshua Sutherland won the other day at a tournament with the, the Zashin Zamazenta deck, which is another, like, cave, I'm going to take Cave of Toughness, all these two prizes, and you're going to have to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, so you can play very similarly to that. It's just generally more consistent um, and has a, a more developed game plan, I think, against uh, decks that don't get walled by Zamazenta. Um so Suicune just continues to be super, super solid. And honestly, the build doesn't even need to change that much. I would maybe consider playing a larger count of Cape of Toughness as opposed to like the two that you would see in last format. But other mm-hmm. than that, I mean, the deck works. <laughs> it's really solid. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk then about the, the big bad of the format. And that's going to be the Mew Max Genesect deck. Uh, I mean... From the get-go, Mew Max Genesect has has been the deck. Uh, the really item-heavy builds have definitely been the the way to go. Now, there are some differences of opinion in how those items should look. Uh, you know, people playing Chromagmatics versus Rotom Phones, all that sort of stuff. But generally, that's what we're looking at is a very thick count of items to be able to burn through your hand as quickly as possible and use that Genesect as many times per turn for as much card value as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to consistently swing for that 210 in and of itself is really good, but then Mew has access to a plethora of other tools. The Latias is insane. Um, like we kind of said it would be. <laughs> the yes. Psychic Leap is maybe the, the aspect that I didn't value highly enough going mm-hmm. into the format. Uh, but there are a lot of matchups where I feel like Mew could have a close matchup or maybe even a tough time. But then the Psychic Leap just like invalidates that completely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a number of decks that you look at that have to two or three hit the Mew VMAX. So one of those that's just a prime example is Jolteon, right? Now they are going to build up some bench damage for sure, but 
you know, they're they're going to have to three and sometimes four shot the Mu V Max, depending on whether or not you can have your um, fusion strike energy stick. So if they, you know, are swinging at you twice and you're able to just leap back into the deck, that is such a huge swing of momentum. Yeah, I mean, the Mew deck has an absurd amount of stuff going for it, honestly. It has the draw of the Genesect, which is the best draw engine we've seen in a really long time. It has the Fusion Strike Energy randomly blocking abilities, which is, like, so extra. Like, it could have just been a rainbow <laughs> energy that you can accelerate with Elsa Sparkle, and it would have been good. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> but it also blocks the Inteleon pings, is, like, probably the most frequently used aspect of that and that's just ridiculous <laughs> it's got psychic leap it's got multiple like strong attacks going for it um you know ranging from the genesect to the psych to the latias to psychic leap uh you know people some people play the meloetta as well and be able to get this like reach numbers as power tablet which is insane like it has a shred attack you know <laughs> which is just a generally good attack like what what is Mew missing honestly it feels like it covers all of its bases really really well um so i i guess going into this jw what do you do to deal with Mew if you're not one of these two other decks um you can try to play path of the peak you can try i i and i say that you know again like very kind of tongue-in-cheek because a lot of the Mew deck decks will play Cramomatic, which, you know, they can search out a card if they are successful on the flip, or they'll play Peony, get out their stadiums whenever they need them, whenever they want them. And then there, there comes like a certain point, especially with how powerful the draw is on Genesect. There just like comes a point where even if you get Path down, it doesn't really matter. Like even if the Genesect just doesn't come into play at all for the rest of the game, like it doesn't really matter because they already have enough resources in hand or there's already, you know, they've drawn through their deck enough that you don't really need everything, every turn at the end of the game, especially with such a low maintenance deck such as Mew. So uh, if you're looking to counter it, I mean, Path of the Peak, maybe um, I do feel like hammers are, are a good count, like pseudo counter to Mew. I notice, and I think that this might be wrong and, that's the thing about Muse. There's so many different <laughs> ways to play it that are all really viable. But I think one of the things that I've been seeing in lists that I I don't necessarily like is only playing two Elisa Sparkle. I really think that card is quite good. It can allow you to do certain things like a turn one attack, for instance, on yeah. your opponent's Sobble, which I think is really underrated. Yeah, Psychic but, Leaping a basic turn one is super good. Yeah, exactly. So I... I I'm more in favor of playing a higher count of Elisa Sparkle. Obviously, as soon as you play one Elisa Sparkle, you know, the value of the other Elisa Sparkles goes down just drastically. <laughs> but um, there's so many different ways to play it. Um, so, so yeah, I just think there there's not a lot you can really do. Crushing Hammer, Fan of Waves are maybe some things. We're kind of seeing people teching in Fan of Waves, which I actually thought would happen a lot, you know, last format yeah. two formats ago but we're seeing it now that mu v max has such a strong special energy going for it yeah and honestly like the fan of waves tech is probably stronger into mu than average because you do at least get to remove that like ability blocking component right so like right at worst you are getting able to like inteleon ping and stuff whereas you know against a single strike deck or something else if you fan of waves there's no like immediate value to you it's on your opponent to like not have the response right exactly i i do think path is maybe like a little stronger than you're giving it credit for against mew um not that it's like a, a hard stop counter i mean path inherently just isn't a hard stop counter to most things um the i i think though it's it has like a decent place against mew i think decks that can abuse path really well um can have a good matchup and end up like sticking Mew uh if you especially if you get them in those like early turns when they're still like turning through their deck right um i think you're right though there is like a uh a tipping point i there's a word i'm looking for that i can't remember the name of an inflection point no 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 not an inflection point <laughs> it was a much stronger more powerful word um regardless though i, I think there is like a tipping point where Mew like 
gets over that hump. They've got a pretty set up for they've used Elsa Sparkle a couple of times and now they are like fully set up and ready to go. It doesn't really matter <laughs> what you do. Right. Um, but I think if you can get them before that point and stick them with like the second or third path, then things get a little awkward from you. The problem that I have though is that the decks that use path the best or like are the most infamous path of users, you know, I'm thinking Jolteon, I'm thinking Dragapult. Those like have multi hit KO Mew over such a long duration of time that it yeah. gives Mew like a, a really long time to figure it out. Right. Uh, I think you need to have like right. a more aggressive deck that utilizes path to get the most value out of that. So I th- honestly, I think something like an ice rider, like a very straightforward ice rider um, that plays like a thick path to the peak could potentially fill that niche or like something like that, where you're actually like threatening the KOs against Mew right, where Dragapult doesn't. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Ice rider could be um, interesting. You know, I've seen, I've seen players play that. I think Azul played that in a recent tournament um, but yeah, that's, that's a really a good point is like, how can you, if you're thinking about this format and like try and counter Mew, how can you put on the most pressure attacking wise while also keeping up a path to the peak? And like you said, Dragapult, great option to play path to the peak. Jolteon, great option to play path to the peak, but they're both going to have to three shot a Mew in most cases, which it just, like you said, gives Mew a ton of time to get their act together. Yeah, Exactly. I think maybe Dragapult could get away with it with like a heavy energy disruption, but then that becomes kind of a pile as well. Like <laughs> where you're playing like all of these cards that don't help you win the game inherently. <laughs> so I don't know if I love that either. I did want to ask you a couple of like Mew takes, uh, cause there's so many different ways that you can kind of build and play Mew. And I'm curious where you land on some of these. Uh, so first and foremost, Latias count. One, two, zero. Uh, one. One. One or zero. Yeah. One or zero. I'm, I think you got to have at least one. <laughs> I, I think so too, right? But uh, one if, or zero. If you play zero, I'm disappointed. Um, <laughs> Cramomatic, Rotom Foam, both, neither. I like Cramomatic a ton. I also really like Rotom Phone, so I play both. Both. Nice. Um, Elsa Sparkle count. Three. Three. Peony count. Zero. Zero. Alternate supporter that you're playing to draw. Uh, I'm playing I'm playing Marnie. Marnie. So I, th- it's a it's weird. I don't know. I haven't found uh, a build that I am like a hundred percent in love with. I've been trying this yeah. Elisa Sparkle because I think there's just there's so much room to innovate and the inherent draw power that you have with the Genesect means that you almost can't go wrong just putting any assortment of cards in. Right. For the most part, you're going to be doing something right, you know, with all the powerful cards that you have access to. But I've been trying a an Elisa Sparkle heavy build. So three Elisa Sparkle and then three Marnie with the idea being that the peony often I was finding was discarding a lot of these resources that I wanted to have at the end of the game. So things like bosses orders, things like the power tablets. Uh, things like the cross switchers, like I play them right now. I, I could see cutting them, but like I was just finding myself with Peony just discarding these resources for no use, no effect. And I was kind of getting tired of it. So I was like, okay, how do I play a build that's maybe a little bit more aggressive in its attacking power? So the higher releases count, right? You can keep more things in hand. You know, you just get your attacks off a little bit quicker. And then Marnie, like a higher Marnie count. I think most decks play, you know, two or less. Yeah. Higher Marnie counts so that you're able to hold on to those resources that you want to have at the end of the game. Now, I'm not saying that that's the de- definitive way, but that's how I've been messing around with it. I just put out a YouTube video today kind of showcasing that build. And I just think there's a ton of room for people to play around with finding the optimal version of the Mew deck. There you go. Flex Daddy Righteous on YouTube then if you want to check out the, the Marnie build in action. Uh, last two cards I wanted to check in on, or I guess last three, Battle VIP Pass. I love it. I <laughs> really do. I I play four. Again, I'm not playing Peony. So, like, if you're not playing Peony, I think you just, and you want to play B- Battle VIP Pass. Like, you're not playing it as a one-of, right? You're playing it as as many copies as you can find. So, I like it. I find it's the card that I offered this card at the end of the game with Cramomatic. So, I'm playing four. Makes sense. Um, air balloon or just switch 
Yeah, good, good question. So I'm also playing Cross Switcher in my list. I could see, I feel like the Cross Switcher are probably the weakest cards mm. in the deck so far, but again, need some more testing with that. So I play one Air Balloon, one Switch, and one Escape Rope along with the four Cross Switcher. Makes sense. And then last card, not so much a card, um, but preferred stadium split and favorite stadium to have in play. Oh, good question. I think the best stadium for the deck is the old cemetery. And it's particularly for the uh, Suicune matchup, right? Because if they slap that Cape of Toughness down, but also attach an energy, then they're at 240 damage left, which means that you just need one power tablet. So I'm going to take that because, again, if we're saying and from, you know, what we've seen, the Suicune deck is kind of, you know, in that top, you know, three, top five most popular decks. Like I want to have a little bit better matchup against that. Uh, so I like that as my main supporter. And then I'll also play Rose Tower. Yeah, I don't quite understand the um, and maybe you can shed some light on this. I don't quite understand the the Crystal Cave. I don't think or, that many people are playing Crystal Cave or the Thunder Mountain the or st- the uh, the Stormy Mountain. Stormy Mountains, yeah. Stormy Mountains is literally just to get the Latias in play. <laughs> I mean, obviously, right? But I I feel like that's kind of a kind of a weak stadium. I don't know. I think the idea I, is just I that see it, it's like I've another as, different stadium. So I've that seen you can it always as play them like a two of. Oh, so you can always play it in any matchup. Is that the idea? Yeah, so you can always keep playing your stadiums if you play a bunch of different ones. Gotcha. That's the idea, I think. Um, gotcha. Actually, there was one one last thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Oricorio and Meloetta. Ooh, yes. I really want to play Meloetta. I need to try that one out. I haven't gotten around to it, so I'm at zero for both. Yeah, I'm, I'm also zero on both of those. Nice. Well, hopefully that sheds some insight into some of our like immediate thoughts into Mew uh, and some of the more controversial cards. I think a lot of the core of the deck uh, remains consistent. You know, there's a lot of cards that you're guaranteed to play in a Mew deck. <laughs> you know, your, yes. your Mew line, your Genesec line, your power tablets, your energies, you're already down a bunch of cards just from that alone. So, Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Any other hot takes on the current meta that we're looking at, JW, uh, interesting figures that you've seen arise? Well, like you mentioned earlier, that Zamazenta Zashian deck winning was really kind of out of left field for me. Yeah. I just have have discounted <laughs> that. I discounted that since like the second week of the previous format, and so to see it kind of rise up again, I'm just very, <laughs> very. I, I have the same like opinion about it, to be honest. That you did last format. Yeah, yeah. Just like a very mid deck that sometimes will get there with Zamazenta. But it's like how, you know? You yeah, throw just... enough Zamazentas with Cape of Toughness and some decks just don't have a way to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, the Mew, deck probably, decks, you know? the Mew deck probably doesn't do all too well, although you do have the Max Miracles, so I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So that was the one. How about how about for you? Um, nothing particularly interesting. I think. Uh, I guess I didn't. I didn't realize that Azul was playing it, but yeah, I, I think Ice Rider has a potential place with uh, Path to the Peak being a a strong card in the metagame right now. Otherwise, I think uh, the metagame seems pretty straightforward. And the fact that like these are the top decks, I've been a little surprised by like uh, the. Um, Obstagoon deck randomly mm. doing well with mm. it with its goofy little like 30 in silence attack and then hitting for 150 I think that's really funny <laughs> so I like that but that one is really funny um, I especially like the silence attack like there's some maxes that just like can't deal with that so. yeah, that's definitely true for <laughs> sure so that's funny um yeah so that I don't think it's like actually that good of a deck, but I think it's fun. Well, some people would say it's good. Yeah, I mean, you get to hit for three hundred on a Mew, which is I think the main idea. Yeah. But turns out Dark Weakness is really good right now. You know. Well, like I said, if you're gonna be any type, it's got to be Dark. 
I mean, that's true for like probably the last 10 years of the Pokemon trading card game, right? <laughs> you think so? I don't know. I don't know. With like maybe small pockets where you would disagree, but dark <laughs> is generally a good type to be. <laughs> All right. That, that would be a fun future episode yeah. topic. What is the best typing over the last decade? Typing tier list. Oh. <laughs> cool. Um, Let's move into our card of the day then, and then we'll do our reads and move into the second half of the cast. Uh, so building off of one of the cards we just talked about in Oricorio, I wanted to shout out another Oricorio card, namely Oricorio's Four Forms, if you're unfamiliar with the, the video game. It has, I don't know the names of them, but there's the psychic form, the ghost form, the fire form, and the electric form. Uh, the psychic form has had a good card in the the one where you bench it and it grabs the two energy uh, that was played in like Gardevoir and Mewtwo decks, and it's just generally like a solid card. Um, you know those kind of like bench and activate abilities usually have some sort of use. Uh, the fire one now has a really good card in the Fusion Strike or Corio. You know being able to reduce the damage on your Fusion Strike Pokemon, and the mm-hmm. Ghost one was infamous because it had the. Um, the Night March counter attack, and it had the Dance of Tribute or Choreo GX. So yes. the Ghost one got double love. The one that never got any love at all <laughs> is the Lightning type or Choreo. And so there's two Lightning type or Choreos. There's one in Celestial Storm and one in Guardians Rising. Um, the Celestial Storm one is okay. But the Guardians Rising one is truly, truly horrible, which is sad because the rest of the Guardians Rising ones have some sort of use, all of them. Um, so I'm going to pay my respects to the Guardians Rising Lightning Oricorio. Uh, this Oricorio has 90 HP and two attacks. It has Feather Dance and Pom Pom Punch. Pom Pom Punch does 20 damage, but if you use Feather Dance the previous turn, it does 100 damage. Feather Dance, only that's its only effect. It increases the damage on Pom Pom Punch. Uh, gotcha. And this is the same era of cards where, like, Guzmo is legal, so your opponent could very easily cancel this effect. <laughs> this is, like, this is, like, the, one of the most pathetic cards I've ever seen, to be honest. Sure. It doesn't evolve. Sure. It has nothing going for it. It's a fighting weak bird Pokemon. I mean, that's just, it's really, really tough out here for Oricorio. Part of the reason that this card is really memorable for me, though, is um, I would have a lot of, like, real decks built at this time you know and i would like test them against each other um and what i often found was i never had enough tapu coco promos to be able to build all the decks that i wanted to so oricorio this one in particular was like my tapu coco promo proxy <laughs> for the flying flip tapu, tapu coco that, for the longest time rocks. so i actually had this in like a lot of uh, quote-unquote in a lot of decks because i would be proxying the coco promo <laughs> It's funny how those cards that normally don't mean anything and just should be bulk find their way into these decks as proxies. Yeah. That rocks. So, Oricario, Lightning Form, I'm sorry that you got, you've got done so dirty. I promise I at least used you in passing, I guess. <laughs> yes. I didn't yes. really use you, but I used your physical copy, so. Forever in our hearts. Forever in our hearts. <laughs> That said, though, this episode of the cast is sponsored by our good friends over at Manscaped. Jeremy, why don't you tell us a little bit about Manscaped? Yeah, Manscaped is one of, if not the biggest, uh, you know, ball trimmers <laughs> that we have. I, uh, ball trimmer companies that we have. It's fantastic, you guys. We got shipped some of the products. I have my uh, ear and nose hair trimmer on my desk, and it's used by over 4 million men worldwide you want to have it for this holiday season we're actually running um manscaped is running a black friday promo that's live now i believe 25 percent off store-wide plus free shipping so that's actually even better than the tag team promo code that you could use to get 20 percent off so take advantage of this deal if you've been listening to us talk about it on the cast for a while it just got to be a better deal so check it out now over at manscaped.com absolutely i mean manscaped has really reliable products i've been loving them ever since we got our hands on them for the first time 
truly being able to to level up my game and the the male grooming department the ear and nose hair trimmer obviously great the weed whacker the lawnmower 4.0 has done me so so right that ceramic blade is seriously amazing stuff you know, never have to worry about damaging your alolan executor <laughs> <laughs> so if you are looking to upgrade your regular executor into a majestic alolan executor one of the best ways to do that is to trim the bushes and if you want to do that you should go to manscape.com like jw said there is a 25 percent off deal site-wide right now so all of their products they also have really good like boxers like randomly super super nice boxers that they have um in addition to all of their electronic products uh so head over to manscaped if you're listening to this and you know black friday cyber monday has passed do use code tag team not only do you get 20 percent off and free shipping when you use code tag team but it also shows that you support the cast and lets manscaped know that they should continue working with us yeah been a great partnership so this thanksgiving turn your fur frau from a natural form to a dandy form manscaped.com manscaped.com 25 percent off this week awesome Thank you so much for Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. So, DW, like you said, it is the the spirit of Thanksgiving is hanging over us as we speak right now. It's a huge Crewall holiday. I thought it would be fun to talk about some things that we are thankful for. Uh, so we, ahead of the cast, we had talked about kind of like three pillars of things that we wanted to hit on. So we're going to talk through a card that we're thankful for from the last year or so of play, uh, something in the community that we're thankful for, and then last we'll talk about something outside of the game that we're thankful for, getting the whole spectrum going on here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So JW, why don't you kick us, kick us off with a card that you're thankful for? Yeah, I'm going to go with a card still legal right now for play. Card that I think people were very scared of when it first announced it has an a spec type effect, but can only be used on non V Pokemon. And that card is scoop up net. When you so said a spec like effects, I thought you were going to say chromatic. <laughs> oh, that would be pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that one also has an a spec type effect that's why you got to play four of them in every day um <laughs> but uh yeah scoop up net i'm really thankful for scoop up net because without it we i think a lot of our decks lose a ton of versatility a ton of dynamism can't reuse things like zigzagoon can't reuse the intellion lines there's just a lot of plays that you can make with scoop up nets especially right now in current standard format that it just it's like it's such a needed card that's not too overpowered it just makes a ton of sense i love the card and i'm very thankful for it yeah i think that's a really good one i kind of like going down that same path the card that i wanted to talk about was the chilling rain inteleon uh Mm. the inteleon line was already so so good and honestly probably underrated in previous formats especially where scoop up net was simultaneously legal uh but the Chilling Rain Inteleon, like, not only did it get people onto the fact that Inteleon as a line is good, <laughs> but it offered, like, a whole new wave of ways to play decks. As someone who played, like, a lot of Decidueye, I was super excited to see this ability reprinted, being able to get that uh, quick shooting to put two damage counters anywhere on the board. It's just, not only is it super fun, but it introduces a lot of really thoughtful play into you know, where are you going to place those damage? How is that going to, like, factor into the way that you win the game? What if your opponent Cheryl's next turn? Should you really be pl- spreading your damage out? Should you be focusing it? Like, all those things are so, so interesting to me. Um, and in conjunction with cards like Scoop Up Net, you've created this really interesting engine that has only really gotten explored because of the fact that we have this quick shooting Inteleon to kind of round out the package. So... I think overall it's been a net win for the format to have that Inteleon line. I Obviously, there's been some complaints about decks feeling a little bit samey uh, with all the Inteleon lines, but I think ultimately it's been a really big net positive for the game, and I've really enjoyed playing Inteleon decks. 
completely agree. Yeah, I think it's a great, uh, great card there that, uh, like you said, can give us a lot of different ways to play. So moving on from the card, what about in the community are you thankful for? I think there's a lot to be thankful for over this last year, but what are you most thankful for in the community? Yeah, um, this one's tough, and I may I, there's a couple things that I probably would want to say. I think the one thing I specifically want to say, though, because I wasn't here last week, is I want to shout out the Palette of Friends initiative uh, that Aaron is working on, obviously that you're part of as well, uh, being able to kind of do that level of community outreach and get more people involved in the game that are from probably underrepresented groups. I think that's really cool. I would love to see that initiative like expand to other groups that are likely underrepresented in addition to like there's a large focus on uh, getting more women in the game. I think that's really cool. I would love to see that expand to like people of color as well. Um, I think that would be really cool. But I'm so excited about that initiative. I, I'm really excited to hear about how it goes and what some of the like initial like results and feedback are. Um, I think it's going to be a really big positive thing for the game and, you know, shout out to you all who have been involved in it for getting it moving. Yeah, no, it's really, um, really very exciting. I mean, anytime that you have somebody with the vision to create something like, cause a, a lot of times, like it's not a very hard project for the most, I, I don't mean to like diminish <laughs> the work that has been put in behind the scenes. That's not what I mean to say at all, but it's like, okay, you know, the, the, tasks that you have to do you know you ask coaches you ask people to apply and then you match them up you know like on the on the surface like it's not really very um very deep it's not very intricate at this point you know and uh yet you still need to have someone that has that vision that has that kind of leadership to get it all started and um you know and and that's something that you know, we're going to see hopefully some, some benefits reaped. It's, it's really an exciting thing um, for, for our community. So I'm glad you brought that up. That, uh, that was going to be one of my things that I was thankful for, but in the community, <laughs> I mean, I'm thank I'm very thankful for, um, for the, for the viewers of not only my channels, but I mean, this channel in particular, this uh, podcast, people that listen to this podcast, we've seen some pretty significant growth over the last, you know, six, eight months. And that's really exciting. I always love when, you know, I hear people that this always gets me whenever we upload a podcast late and I have, you know, five or 10 messages. Hey, where's the cast? Where's the cast? That's so cool to me because it shows that people make it a part of their regular day, make it a part of their routine on Thursdays. And it's just fantastic. It just makes me feel like, hey, I'm, you know, influencing someone's life, uh, hopefully positively, but uh, influencing someone's life every single week. And so, yeah, I'm thankful for the listeners of this cast. Thank you guys for um, sticking with us. I know that there are now, you know, even more options to get your Pokemon news. And the fact that we are still seeing, you know, sustained and, and continued growth is, is really exciting. Yeah, I would definitely echo that one as well. It's a the community that we've built up. Really, really happy with it. I'm so thankful for all of you all who continue to support us week to week. So, last pillar then, JW, outside of the game, completely unrelated to Pokemon. What is something that you have been thankful for over the last year? Over the last year, I've been really thankful for my wife. That might be a cop-out that's like, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for the person that I see the most. Um, but I, I really am. I think she's taught me how to be uh, a more godly person. I think she's taught me how to uh, forgive and how to love better and how to be um, more responsible, certainly. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think my wife is somebody that I'm very thankful for. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm thankful for Anne as well. She's really nice. I know. She <laughs> so come to come to New Year's, man. <laughs> I, I think for me, um, there's there's like two things I specifically want to touch on. Uh, the first is I've tried really hard, and I think I've succeeded over the last year to expand kind of like my social circle in the Madison area, um, and between the folks on my project and you know folks I've I've just met around locally either in my division or or what have you i think i've kind of gotten to a place where i feel much more comfortable you know having those game nights and stuff now has been a huge help um 
and you know sometimes it's lonely when you move to a new place and then there's a pandemic uh, a year later <laughs> where you don't get to see people mm-hmm. and it's been nice to kind of like get back to not normal but something closer to it where i feel like i do have that like social presence in my life um and then outside of that i am super thankful that this upcoming project is going live in just over a week uh the culmination of the work and that not only that i've put in but um my peers and and the people that i've been managing uh that they've all put in and and seeing that come together to what I think will ultimately be a very successful uh, launch. That's awesome. So, yeah. you know, plenty of exciting stuff going on. And, you know, obviously, like, thankful for my, my family and all that kind of stuff as well. Not to, not to <laughs> well, discredit Well, you know, that. throw them in at the end for sure. <laughs> a little, little bone to throw <laughs> for, <laughs> for the fam as they listen in. <laughs> So that's right. Well, there is a lot to be thankful for there is. Uh, here this Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, once again, just want to say if you're listening to us, you know, on Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving, you know, thank you once again for sticking by the cast and, um, you know, m- making making up, you know, uh, can have helping us to continue to do what we do and, uh, you know, helping us to to accrue sponsors and, um, you know, just just giving us the the, the copium to, to continue on <laughs> yeah. with the cast uh, week after week. Yeah, you all are seriously awesome. If you're looking for ways to either get more involved with or support the podcast, you can always check us out on social media. Our main platform is going to be Twitter. So we both have Twitters, and there's a Twitter for the podcast. That's at Smiles with Riles for myself, at Real John Walter for JW, and at Tag Team Pokemon for the podcast itself. Uh, be sure to follow all three of us. We got banger tweets, and you know sometimes we do giveaways over on the podcast account as well. So if you're looking for cool opportunities, that's always there. Um, we stream live when we record every single week. So typically you'll find that on my channel, twitch.tv slash Munner. JW also has a Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash righteous, And he will also do the recordings on the weeks where I'm out on that channel. Uh, additionally, you can check out JW's channel we plugged earlier on YouTube, FlexDaddyRighteous on YouTube. And it always helps a lot if you rate and review the podcast when you get through it. It gives us that level of feedback and shows the algorithm that we're something that people are interested in. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a huge help. So please, if you have the time for two poor little boys, <laughs> you can just rate and review us over on your favorite podcasting platform. That would help us out a great deal. Check out Manscaped, check out Full Grip Games, and we will catch you all next week. Peace. <laughs>